Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. No, Audrey, that's not true. That is not true. Perfect practice makes perfect. We know Joe practices perfect. What a treat. Thank you so much, Joe. When, when you play the piano like that and they start calling for an encore, it means you're doing something right. So, Allow us to bow our heads in prayer. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come together this morning and just mimicking some of the rhetoric that's already been expressed. We're able to do so because of the men and women and our armed forces who have protected our freedom. Thank you so much for their work. Thank you for your work, most importantly, to make that possible even to begin with. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we are still in our sermon series, testing our assurance in the one thing that we can never forget. As we go through the book of 1 John, and we're actually more than halfway through at this point. But as we continue to go through the book of 1 John, we must remember, no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Jesus, in his words, himself. You cannot lose your salvation once you come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, so who loves to go to job interviews? Some of us love them, don't, don't we? Some of us love to go be interviewed, and some of us can't stand being put on the hot seat. Now, see, for myself, I don't interview well. In fact, every job I've ever gotten in my life was because of somebody I knew. They just came to me because they knew me and they offered me a job. I, I, didn't, I don't think I've ever received a job offer after having been interviewed. I just don't like being on the hot seat. I have a buddy who interviews well. In fact, his last seven jobs that he's received have been because of his ability to interview well. And I always think that's really cool and I kind of look up to him for it. The only problem is... Those seven jobs have come within a five-year period of time. So he interviews well, but doesn't necessarily hold on to the job. So we can kind of go both ways, can't it? We can look good in the interview, but then when the rubber meets the road, maybe we're not the right candidate. Because what is it that you need again when you go to the interview? What is it that you must have in order to get the interview? A resume, right? And a resume is going to talk about your abilities, your, your work experience. And then you get to that one part of the resume called the references. Typically, you want to have about three references. Now, when you go to figure out who's going to be your reference, do you ever rack your brain thinking about who is it that could best talk about my talents, my skill set, my abilities, my work ethic, somebody who can vouch for me, right? That's what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody to vouch for us, saying, yes, so-and-so is able to do what they do, but we also want to pick somebody who is credible. You want to pick somebody who has credibility. I had an individual on my resume who I had to take off 
because this person at one time was very credible and then some things happened in their life that made them not so credible, so I had to remove them from my resume. But see, let's think about this real quick. As Christians, we're on somebody's resume. Have you ever thought about that? Especially when we think about the age that we're in now. See, the question I always love to ask my children every once in a while, I'll ask Leighton and Reese, I'll say, Jesus is not with us currently, so why are we still here? What is the purpose of us being left behind? Why are we exiled? And over time, I've kind of worked with them to develop their idea or their theology around the answer to that question. And see, what we must never forget as believers in the church age, we are here to share the good news of salvation to hell-deserving sinners. And that good news goes right through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So, whose resume are we on? Who has put us on their resume so we can vouch for their work? their ability, their skill set, their work ethic. Who is it? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that maybe you just might be a reference on somebody's resume and you don't even know it? Or you don't even think to know it? Well, this morning, as we go through the text, we must remember that we are on the resume of Jesus Christ. The way in which we live our lives on a daily basis is a reference to him and his work and what he can do. He wants to use us. He wants us to share his resume with others so they can come to know him and receive eternal life. We are to be a reference to the saving work in our formerly dead lives. We can do this by living out three things, which brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Believe, love, and obey. Believe, love, and obey. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. See, last week we, we learned that the loving others does not require our perfection. And that gives us great comfort. We can love others imperfectly. John revealed to us that God judges our love of others through our heart's motivation to do so. Today we're going to see how we can be confident in our salvation through our belief, through our love, and through our obedience. And through these three things, we vouch as to who Jesus Christ is. To an unbelieving world, as believers, we get to vouch about who he is. We become his resume's reference to a dark world due to his work within our lives. So please follow along. The verses will be on our screen. We're covering these three verses this morning. 1 John chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. 
And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Amen. When we look at these verses this morning, these three verses scream this at us. This one sentence Salvation belongs to those who believe, love, and obey in the name of Jesus Christ. Salvation belongs to those who believe, love, and obey in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's ask a question. How do we live out our belief, love, and obedience? I think that's fair to ask, isn't it? How do we live out this belief, this love of others, and our obedience to the commandments of God. We do so as a character witness in our daily living. We do so as a character witness in our daily living. Some of you may have heard of Dallas Theological Seminary. Close ties to Grace Theological Seminary, which our church, our fellowship of churches, the Karis Fellowship, is closely tied and associated with. Pastor Steve and I are both graduates of Grace Theological Seminary. My wife's father, my father-in-law, is a graduate of Grace Theological Seminary. When my father-in-law went to Clearwater Bible in Tampa, Florida, he had two choices in his mind. See, all the authors, all the theologians that were doing all the writing in which he was reading were either coming from Dallas Theological Seminary or Grace Theological Seminary. So his decision was boiled down to two seminaries. Either I'm going to Dallas or I'm going to Grace. In fact, just recently, we met new neighbors in our neighborhood. And the father of the husband is a 1960 graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary. Once he found out that I'm a graduate of Grace Theological Seminary. He wanted to come down and meet me. And after our conversation, he told me we will be talking more often. Why? Because we, we were, we're like-minded. We view the Bible in a very similar manner. I'm sharing all this with you just to let you know that there are others out there like us and we're not weird. We do have friends outside of the Fort Myers area. Some of you aren't laughing like you were like really seriously pondering that, that notion. We're connected. We're connected. But Dallas Theological Seminary, and the reason why I'm bringing this institution up this morning is because Dallas almost didn't happen. See, early in its infancy, back in 1924, Dallas owed a lot of money and the banks were done. They were going to close the doors at Dallas. So they held a prayer meeting. It was led by Chaffer, or Chafer, I forget the exact pronunciation of the name. And as they were leading this prayer meeting, a professor by the name of Ironside, he prayed. And in his prayer, he said, Lord, I know that you own the, a thousand hills and you own all the cattle on them. And he continued. And just as he was praying that, a tall, slender, 
Texan walked into the seminary office and went right up to the secretary who was not part of this prayer meeting and handed her a check. And he said, I had two truckloads of cattle that I sold and I've been trying to make business deals with my profits and I haven't had one come through. I feel like it's been placed in my heart to give you this check. See, that check saved Dallas Theological Seminary. So the secretary, all excited, runs in, gives the check to Chafer, and he immediately says, Ironside, you're right. God just sold those cattle. See, our God wants to answer our prayer, and we can't forget that. Our God wants to answer our prayer. And we see that when we look at our first verse this morning. Verse 22 again. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. We do what pleases him. Right out of the gate, do you notice anything from this verse? Just that. God answers prayer. God wants to answer prayer. God has no problem in answering our prayers if we live according to his commandments. And what we see in verse 22 is that God reveals his love to us through answered prayer. That's how he shows us that he loves us. Just when we think that we're not being loved by God, just go back to some of the answered prayers in your life. See, we reveal our love to him by doing what? By keeping his commandments. And do you know what else this verse tells us when we take a closer look at it? This verse tells us that we are completely reliant upon God. If you read this verse and think that you have it figured out, that you can do this on your own, you are seeing it completely wrong. I'm reassured when I read this verse that I am completely reliant upon God, just like Ironside's prayer at Dallas Theological Seminary. He prayed to God who owned the thousand hills, who owned the cattle. We do not. Even if you personally own 1,000 hills and all the cattle on the hills, you do not own the hills nor the cattle. The tall, slender Texan that walked in and gave that checkup, who handed over his profits from selling two truckloads of cattle, realized just that. Church, God wants to answer our prayers. So the question then becomes, how and what are you praying for? If you know that God wants to answer your prayers, then what is it that you're actually praying for? Are we free to pray for whatever we wish? Maybe. Will all of our prayers be answered? Maybe. What we cannot do is approach prayer like it's a blank check, though. God is not a cosmological vending machine that we just punch A1 into after we put our money in and we get the item that we wanted. Who's our example in prayer? If we're going to look to an example... Someone to follow. Who do we follow after in prayer? 
It's the answer that you can normally just throw out there even if you don't know the answer. Jesus. Jesus. He is our example. He is our model. And do you remember how he prayed in the garden prior to his crucifixion? He asked for the cup to be passed from him. But how did he follow up the statement? He followed up by saying, yet not my will, but yours be done. Church, by keeping God's commandments, we keep on keeping on within his will. And when we do that, he will bless our lives. When we submit to God, our prayers are eternally changed. And that's how we have to start thinking. By submitting to God, our prayers are eternally changed. See, we begin to pray for what we actually think matters forever. That's what we should be praying for. Things that matter forever. Not what matters for now. If we pray for things that matter forever, it will change the way in which we pray. It will change the way in which we perceive to receive answered prayer from God. God is pleased by prayers that are motivated by love. Prayers motivated by love are prayed by those who believe, those who love, and those who obey. When we are concerned about building relationships that make followers of Jesus right here at Villa's Grace, we will always pray out of love. When we are concerned about building relationships that make followers of Jesus, we will always be mindful to do exactly what it says here in verse 22. Keep His commandments. This is why God answered the prayer at Dallas Theological Seminary. He answered their prayer because they desired to love others. And because they desired and obeyed him and kept his commandments, God answered their prayer. And God has used that theological institution ever since to help facilitate the spread of his good news, his story of salvation to a sinful world. And there is another reason which we find in the main idea of our sermon this morning, the idea that says salvation belongs to those who believe, love, and obey in the name of Jesus Christ. There's another reason found in the question we ask this morning. How do we live out our belief, love, and obedience? We, we live this out as a character witness in our daily living, a character witness to the person and work of Jesus. Even though we're sinful, we can be a character witness daily. We can be on his eternal resume as a reference because we are an example of his work in our lives. I ate this cereal as a kid. I don't really remember if it tasted good. I don't know if my mom remembers purchasing this cereal. But I remember eating this cereal. This is G.I. Joe Action Stars. I love this cereal. There's something I remember most about this cereal, though. Not how it tasted. 
But I remember with enough proofs of purchase, you could send in and get that action camo t-shirt. You see that little boy down there in the bottom right-hand screen on the cereal box front cover? Actually, on both front covers, he's got his hands on his hips. He is proud as a peacock to be wearing that camo Action Stars t-shirt. I was as proud as a peacock. And I think I remember in 80s fashion, they embroidered it they, with the silk screening with the fuzzy lettering. You guys remember that? Remember in the 80s that was popular, the, the silk screen on a shirt, they would print it and it would be fuzzy? See, I remember wanting that t-shirt and you had to purchase so many of this cereal, cut out and send it in and they would send you your t-shirt. I remember my, my brother loved it. He was younger than me and he wore it as a hand-me-down. But it took so many proofs of purchase. If you had enough, Nabisco was going to send you the camouflaged t-shirt. Church, this is similar to our proof of being a Christian. There is proof of your salvation. And that's why we talk so closely about those of us who question whether or not we're saved. Because like last week we talked about, well, maybe you question the fact of your salvation because you know that you don't love perfectly. Well, we know that we love imperfectly because God looks at the motivation of our heart. But there's also proof of our salvation. Our faith in the atoning death of Jesus compels God to put his spirit within us. We have proofs of being purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is our proof that we have been purchased by his blood. And we see this in verse 23 and 24. And this is the commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. In order for verse 23 to be true, do you know what the first two commandments are that we need to obey? In order for verse 23 to be true, the first of two commandments is this. Believe in Jesus and his dying and atoning death for our sin. First, you have to admit that you're sinful and that Jesus died in atoning death for your sins. So what do we mean by atoning? What does that word mean? See, really, when we use the word atoning, it means that Jesus made amends for us before God. Jesus corrected the way in which God views our sin issue. Look at the middle of verse 23. It says that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus identifies who he is. The name of Jesus declares his character. It declares his authority. The name of Jesus represents who he is and what he has done. I think it's safe to say that the name of Jesus carries significant weight. So, who is Jesus? Because we, we use that term, Son of God, but sometimes we get it confused, don't we? There's those of us in this room that even to this day 
still get a little confused when we hear Son of God. So who is Jesus? The easiest way for us to answer that question is this. Jesus is God in human flesh. What has he done? Well, he was beaten. He was executed. And he was raised from the sinner's death in which he died for us in our place. He who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf. It is in his name. It is in his work. And he did all this in order to restore our relationship with the Lord. Church, we live from an appreciation of this truth. We don't live for this truth. We don't have the mentality that says, well, I can do enough good things to make myself right with God. That is not truth. That is false. We live from an appreciation of what Jesus has done for us. We get it wrong when we think that we can do it on our own. We live from the work of Jesus. He has given us proof that He purchased us by giving us His Spirit. We live our lives out of an appreciation for His atoning death. And when we do this, it brings us to the second part of our answer. Because remember, we asked a question. The second part to the question, do you know what the first two commandments are that we need to obey? The second is this. We need to love one another. We need to love one another. That's it. Pretty simple, huh? Is that a little difficult for us to do? Maybe. Is the concept difficult to understand? No. Will we do this perfectly? No. Will we love each other imperfectly? Yes. Will we learn through this process? I hope so. I hope that we can be a church that reveals to others that we are constantly learning and growing in the truth of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So then when no matter who comes through these doors... They feel comfortable that they can continue to learn themselves. And we live out of what he first did for us. We live out of him first loving us. And we love because, like it says in 1 John, next chapter, we love because he first loved us. The Lord has commanded us to have faith in him. The Lord has not commanded us to have faith in ourselves. Even if you own 1,000 hills and all the cattle. If you have faith in yourself and your abilities, you are up creek without a paddle. He's also called us and commanded us to love each other. Really, these two commands are one and the same. If we do one, we'll naturally do the other. So please take notice how verse 23 ends. It ends by John writing, Just as he has commanded us, church, This is his commandment. This isn't our commandment. However, we are the ones who receive this commandment. 
And allow me to challenge you this next week. Allow me to challenge you that you should be asking yourself a question when you wake up each and every day. Start your day off by asking yourself this question. How am I going to receive his commandment to believe in him and love others today? How am I going to receive this commandment? Am I going to receive this commandment well? Am I going to live out this commandment as a character witness well for others to see who Jesus is? God wants to use you. God wants you to be a reference. Just when you think you may not be qualified to be a reference on his resume, think again. The dirtier, the more rotten of a sinner you are, when you repent of your sin, when you turn away from your sin and turn to God because of what Jesus Christ has done, that makes Jesus look awfully darn good. Amen? Will I believe, love, and obey him today? That's a question we can ask ourselves each and every day as we get up. Will I live out the proof that I've been purchased by his blood? I mean, I rocked that camo shirt. People in my neighborhood, the boys in my neighborhood knew that I made my mom keep on buying that cereal because we had enough proofs of purchase to get it. But will we live out our lives like that? So others can see that Jesus has purchased us with his blood. The reason why we have his spirit living within us. Will I remain in him today? That's the question we can be asking ourselves. But do you know what the problem is? The problem is it's impossible to remain in Jesus without proof of purchase. That's the problem. So I'm going to have Mike come up as we read verse 24. As we take a look at this verse again, and we think about that. We think about how it's impossible to remain in Jesus if there's no proof of purchase because it's his spirit living in us that has sealed us. So therefore, we can remain abiding in Jesus. Verse 24 says this, By the spirit whom he has given us. See, this is precisely how God remains in you. He remains in you by His Spirit, by the Spirit, as it says here in the text. So somebody tell me, how does this not assure you of your salvation? When you know that He has given you His Spirit because of your faith in Him and what He has done. God remains in us through His Holy Spirit and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Church, don't question your salvation if you, if you, if you know that you've come to a saving faith in Jesus. Rather, question how good you are at remaining in Him every day. That's a question you should be asking. You should be asking yourself, how good of a job did I do today remaining in Jesus? What did I learn? What can I do better tomorrow? Don't be fooled. On days when you do a pretty poor job of doing that, Satan's going to be right there. I guarantee it. He's going to be right there and he's going to be whispering in your ears. He's going to be going, Psst, Hey, how could you be saved? 
I saw, I saw how you behaved. You weren't so loving, were you? How could you be saved? You call yourself a Christian. That's the message of the liar. Church, when this happens, when this happens, just remind yourself exactly what it says here in the text. Tell yourself, I what? Believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Because the name of Jesus identifies who he is. The name of Jesus declares his character, not my character, Jesus in his character. It declares his authority. The name of Jesus represents who he is and what he has done. So who is Jesus? He's God in human flesh. I don't care what Satan whispers in my ear when I know who Jesus is. What has he done? He was beaten, he was crucified, and he was raised from a sinner's death, and he died for us on our behalf and gives us hope in a future a hope in a new resurrected body because of the damage that we have inflicted on this body due to our sinfulness and he did all of this why in order to restore our relationship with him which is exactly why we said today salvation belongs to those who love or believe love and obey the name of Jesus Christ why we ask this question how do we live out our belief love and obedience we do so as a character witness in our daily living let's bow in prayer lord i pray that we can be a church that represents just this i pray that we can be used to share your good news of what you have done i pray that we can collectively spur one another on to continually learn how to better bring your name, honor, and glory. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.